Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. We have a DFS show on tap for today. This will be a regularity throughout the season on Fridays. Last year, I would stay up until the end of Thursday Night Football, talk a few injuries, talk recap. And, you know, I just realized that everyone watches Thursday Night Football. Why am I staying up till, you know, 2 a.m. every Thursday night just to talk about something that everyone's already seen? Let's do a show during a normal hour so my family hates me less and we can actually have a guest have better information and go over something more relevant. So we'll talk about plenty of players, strategies that will impact redraft as well. But just so everyone knows, again, this is DFS, Daily Fantasy, particularly on DraftKings. So for those trying to take down the Millie Maker, trying to just make a cash lineup and win some head-to-heads, 50-50s, whatever your stick is, we will be talking it on this Friday DFS show. When I say we, I mean myself, Ian Hartz, and PFF's own Andrew Erickson, who you've heard on this show a million times at this point. Andrew, happy week one, man. Feels good to say that. Yes, man. It was a great game we watched between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers last night. I'm so excited to now break down the slate. You know, we get the first main slate of the year, week one. We've got salaries and values all over the place because the prices get released so early. So it's going to be interesting to see. We're going to see a lot of high scoring points in rosters this weekend for sure. Recording this on Thursday afternoon. Andrew, Nostradamus score prediction for Thursday Night Football. What do you think it was as people listen to this on Friday? 35 to 21 bucks. I'm saying 42, 17 bucks. A lot of angry Cowboys fans right now, but I got the Cowboys helmet in front of me. We got some good DFS notes and we are ready to go, everyone. So format for this show, we go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, quickly defense, and then our favorite stack. We're going to be looking at GPP and cash. For those that don't know, GPP, we're refer- referring to large field tournaments. The Millie, Millie Maker, you know, we're trying to basically beat 100,000 people potentially. So we got to get a little contrarian, a little different, trying to separate that lineup from the chalk and from what everyone else is doing cash is where we are more willing to eat the chalk when you're playing cash lineup you literally just want to maximize your floor like we're going pure upside in tournaments again first or last approach pretty much and cash we just got to be one other person so it's not the end of the world to roster someone we expect to be 50 percent owned if you just want to cross off you know a matchup you have against someone else that's more or less a win get it down to a 3v3 something like that so that will be again the general format and let's kick things off andrew with our tournament quarterbacks I will go first and mention this in my quarterback superlative article but I think Russell Wilson and the Seahawks stack man could turn up turn out to be one of the not severely underowned. I mean, you know, some of the ownership projections out there very a little bit, but based on where he's going and Metcalf and Lockett, I just think people are going to find other games to go after. And yeah, the Colts defense is not going to be a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, they got some studs all over the place there. They also have a pair of starting outside cornerbacks and Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey, both 31 years of age. And Andrew, I don't think they can keep up with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett if they're on their game. I don't really think anyone can keep up with those guys if they are humming so for me russell wilson sitting there at 7k he's going to be lower owned than josh allen who people are going to be trying to get up to and i even think potentially you know your aaron Rodgers, your jalen hurts are a little bit down there russ is just you know he's priced high he's the qb4 overall on the main slate pricing on DraftKings. but i think that just again based on the hurts below him and the josh above him we could see his ownership actually sink down a little bit I get it. It could be a bust if this uh, Seattle offense ends up looking like they did in the second half of the year. But Andrew, God forbid they look like they did in the first half of last season. I don't think any defenses, especially the Colts, are going to be able to lock that down. So Russ, you know, 
You could go Metcalf and Lockett. They led the league last year in combined target share. Or just go one of them and then even dip down to Gerald Everett or, God forbid, I say, Dwayne Eskridge. I think Eskridge is a little bit uh, too galaxy brain for this one. But seriously, Metcalf and Everett, Metcalf, Lockett, you know, Lockett, Everett. One of those pairs, I think, can make someone a lot of money if uh, Russ in this offense gets cooking immediately from day one. Andrew, I think you're a little bit interested in the guy going just a little bit underneath Russ and un- underneath Russ and I will say, though, in general, ownership at quarterback position tends to not matter as much. We see it be more flat. You know, running back, wide receiver, we can see guys getting into 20 percentile a lot of weeks. Quarterback, usually no one's going over, you know, 10, 15 percent at the most. So, Andrew, let's talk Jalen Hurts sitting there at 6,400. Yeah, I just think that Jalen Hurts is hashtag too cheap at at 6,400 again. This guy was, if you look at his prices last year, you know, he was up around the 7K range when people kind of started to catch on that he was a legit quarterback one because of all the rushing. He averaged almost 80 rushing yards per game in his four starts, 12.6 rushes per game, 24 fantasy points per game, eighth best among all quarterbacks last season. And again, I'm trying to find reasons not to play Jalen Hurts, and I can't find any. He's playing the Atlanta Falcons. And look, not every defense is the same from last year. Not all the bad defenses are still bad and vice versa, but the Falcons are still bad. They are still a terrible defense. They have PFF's 32nd ranked secondary. And you look at the skill players that are around Jalen Hurts, you look at the offensive line that is now healthy around Jalen Hurts. The situation is so much better for him than it was last year. So again, I understand why the consensus is low on Jalen Hurts because they're not sure about how he's going to progress as a passer, but that's all you're playing. That's what you're betting on by playing Jalen Hurts in the tournament is, okay, you got the rushing floor. Boom, that's locked and loaded. And now if he takes a step forward against basically the best match, I mean, if Jalen Hurts is ever going to show us as a passer, it's going to be week one. He's playing in a dome against a terrible defense. He's got all those weapons at his disposal. So for me, it's like a no-brainer. And what I've looked at some of the roster ship projections that we have in pff.com, I see he's at like 3.4%. And I'm, I'm just like, what? Like I'm kind of like blown away by it. And, you know, I wrote about a couple other quarterbacks in my DFS cheat sheet, but if Jalen hurts, his roster ship projections stay that low, I'm not going to play anybody else except Jalen hurts in, in cash in tournaments, because I think he has everything out laid for him. He's at a good salary price. I don't feel like you're paying a lot for him at 6,400. So, I mean, I'm all in on, on Jalen hurts. And I think that he's really easy to, to stack with too, because you only need to really pair him with one receiver because he has all that rushing, you know, you're incorporating the rushing into his projection. So you don't necessarily need to like double stack him like you would do with Russ because part of his fantasy ceiling is the rushing. So, you know, you pair him with Devonte Smith, who's, you know, 4,500, he's cheap. And yeah, I think that you're going to be doing really well this week. If you play Hertz. Hertz is one of those quarterbacks that are so run heavy. You could go, you know, quote unquote, naked at the position and just not stacking with anyone. But yeah, when his number one receiver sitting there at 4,500 against the reigning 32nd ranked defense <laughs> and uh, PPR points per game allowed the wide receivers, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, if I'm going up and if I want to pay up a little bit more at QB and cash, I'm definitely looking Hertz's way. Andrew, I think I cash. Uh, you're also looking at potentially Kyle Murray and Ryan Tannehill. I mean, between those two, it's like if there is any game, I know the Chiefs and Browns actually have the highest game total of this week. I think it's just kind of like a hat tip to Patrick Mahomes, but man, if any game is destined to go 50, 60 plus points, you know, combined, I do think it's going to be this Cardinals Titans shootout. Yeah. This game has shootout written all over. Again, I don't think it's sneaking up on anybody. I think that Kyler is probably going to be the most owned quarterback over Patrick Mahomes. Again, you know, any game that Mahomes plays in automatically gets a 54 total basically just because that's just the Mahomes effect that he has on the lines. But the Cardinals defense is a, a mess. Like their secondary is all backups. Malcolm Butler retired. 
So they have a bunch of Joe Schmo guys that they're no way they're going to be able to cover AJ Brown and Julio Jones. And you have the Cardinals offense that moves really fast. Like they were the fast, second fastest team in terms of average time to the play clock last year. So they're going to be running a ton of plays. And really the only way I see this game like not shooting out is if it's a, it's a Derrick Henry just take over. And, and he just, and then you end up running the ball and the Cardinals offense can't get it going for some reason. So that's the only out I see in this game where it doesn't potentially shoot out. But I mean, look, Kyler Murray, you've talked about it a lot Ian. where through the first 10 weeks of last year, he scored more fantasy points than anybody. So again, clearly he has a nice path to finishing as the quarterback one on the slate and he's cheaper than Mahomes. So I don't see why you would pay the extra to go up to Mahomes when you can get Kyler who probably has more rushing to his name and probably plays in a more shootout potential game than Patrick Mahomes does. And it's also his, Receivers are also cheaper to stack with. So you have Hopkins there is cheaper than Tyree kill and Rondell Moore is sitting there at a nice three K and he's basically free. So, you know, it's harder to pair obviously Kelsey and Tyree kill with Mahomes, and then find other ways to spend up. Yeah. The Kyler, the first 10 weeks, that is even crazier. Cause like it's, this wasn't something where he didn't have his buy. So his numbers got inflated. He only played in nine games in the first 10 weeks and he was still the overall QB one stretch. Most fancy points per game all time number one after that obviously he didn't hold it the whole year so we're not going to say it was the best season ever just realize the best version of kyla murray is one of the best fantasy football players we have ever seen andrew i think we've been talking for about 13 minutes and things are about to get gross so i'm happy we made it this long but let's talk some sam darnold five thousand dollars he is the third cheapest quarterback only teddy bridgewater and mac jones are cheaper there is jared goff daniel jones tyrod taylor Tua, jimmy freaking garoppolo carson wentz all these guys cost more than sam darnold this week and as much as i have come on this podcast throughout this offseason saying i don't believe in darnold as a redraft option and daily fantasy people we're looking for value against the price point and if you can get darnold and just again it's more I'm not necessarily saying Darnold needs to be the centerpiece of your lineup, but some of the builds I've come up with early this week, when you go with Darnold and Terrace Marshall, basically getting $8,000 to get a quarterback and a wide receiver. I just think it opens up so many possibilities. You can go up and get McCaffrey, Kamara, Kelsey, Najee, and still fill out some reasonable wide receiver spots there. So the big sell for me is just how horrendous this Jets secondary might be from day one. Great stat from uh, PFF's own Mike Renner uh, of the seven cornerbacks on the Jets roster. Four are rookies, two are in their second year, and absolutely zero were drafted higher than the fifth round. Like, I was knocking on Darnold a little bit in the preseason. People saying, oh, okay, he's already, you know, come away from Adam Case. The kid's a star. Now, his average target depth was the second lowest of the group. That might not be a bad thing, Andrew. I think I jumped the gun a little bit on that, like making fun of Darnold. Maybe I'm letting my, uh, you know, words in July and June and July impact my thought process in September a little bit too much. The important thing for Darnold, if he can work from the confines of Joe Brady's offense, which consists of getting the ball out quick to his numerous playmakers all over the field, and then supply just a little bit of the kind of off-script ability we've seen over the years, I think he can beat a $5,000 price tag against what could easily be the single worst secondary in football. So he did average 18 yards rushing per game last year. We got a mini floor there. You know, he's not a statue, like going down, all the way down to Mac Jones. That's what would concern me there. Uh, you know, Teddy against the Giants. I think the Giants are good enough defense to kind of fade uh, that idea, at least in his first start. So Darnold, for me, again, just being able to put him with Terrence Marshall at 3K. DJ Moore at 6,100 makes a lot of sense as well. I'm not against that by any stretch. I just think it opens up so much more room in the roster. And it's great. Gross, Andrew, but you know what? Again, it's about value there. And I just, it's going to be tough for Darnold to not beat where he's being implied. 
the thing I would just, I would rather play Zach Wilson. If I'm going to be totally honest at the same price, both at five K and I, I thought about Darnold. I did. I really, you know, did some research and I just went back to the fact that, you know, Carolina still has a really bad offensive line, you know, 31st ranked offensive line. They're also dealing with another injury to one of their starters at guard. I know that people are freaking out about, you know, the Zach Martin injury, you know, affecting Dallas and no one's talking about the Carolina offensive line because nobody cares because they're already bad and it's just making things worse. So again, you have Robert Sala come and then yes, you mentioned the secondary it's terrible, but I have some idea. I have some confidence that Sal is going to be able to dial up some pressure. I know losing Carl Lawson is obviously a huge thing, but the biggest issue with Sam Darnold was pressure with the Jets. Most pressure quarterback over the past two years. And that's why he is no longer on New York because he got pressured and couldn't handle the pressure that he was always facing inside the pocket. So that's just what really concerns me about Darnold. And I just can't live with myself if I play Darnold and, and put money behind this guy that has just been not good since entering the NFL. So if I'm looking for that, that salary value, cause I understand that's like the play behind going with Darnold. I like Zach Wilson. I, I'll take a chance on a rookie quarterback that, you know, could flash and we put, he's looking during the preseason. Again, he hasn't been playing a lot of, you know, starting defenses, but Carolina's defenses you know what PFF's 23rd ranked secondary. Yeah. It's a little bit better, but you know, JC horns, a rookie cornerback. They have a lot of young inexperienced guys playing in their secondary. They got some like, you know, Dante Jackson's a talented guy, but he's got Corey Davis. He's got Elijah Moore. He's got Crowder potentially. So yeah. And they, he's got a better offensive line. So that's why I think that I would probably opt for Zach Wilson. If I'm looking to pay down in that 5k range. I think those are really the only two cheap quarterbacks yeah. slate that I'm interested in. After that, like I got to go all the way up to Jalen Hurts and above to really find guys that I'm like actively looking to roster. I'm sure one of the middle guys are going to ball out, but you know, it's like doing the best we can do the week before to predict this, narrow down our choices. I would say Wilson and Darnold. And if you want to go up, we got Jalen Hurts, and then we get your Kyler Tannehill Russ tier of guys that we can feel good about. And Andrew, it was a good point on the injuries. It's, you know, it reminds me of, it's almost like the opposite where in the off season, um, you know, mixing Carson, just these guys that were getting ding more than other players for being injury prone. And now it's like, we're holding the loss of Zach Martin against Zeke when I don't know, man, the Packers being without David uh, Bakhtiari is seems like that matters. And they're also facing a new Orleans saints defense. That was even better than the Buccaneers uh, last season in terms of fantasy points per game allowed to running backs. And no one could give a single shit if that's going to impact Aaron Jones. I'm not even saying people should be massively adjusting their rankings because of that, but we also probably shouldn't be doing it for Zeke as well. Let's move on to some running backs and we'll start off with our GPP crew. Andrew, I think we both nailed uh, one of these and that is Sir Chase Edmonds at 4,600. I want to give myself a quick pat in the back. I had a really good tweet about this. First, I said the Chase Edmonds drink, the, the Chase Edmonds sleep with DraftKings wife. I deleted it. I was like, oh, I got something better. Did Chase Edmonds sleep with the draft queen? <laughs> then the actual DraftKings account tweeted at me. Easy there, Ian. So kudos to DraftKings <laughs> for being fun. But seriously, 4,600. Chase Edmonds is priced behind Naeem Hines, Tevin Coleman, Daryl Williams, Philip Lindsay, Devin Singletary. Like, what the hell, man? What did Chase Edmonds do to DraftKings to be this cheap, Andrew? Because I, for one, don't get it. Yeah. That, I was kind of looking and, and hoping that based on all the injuries we had over the off season, that there would be like a kind of a free square play to come of oh, all those players are playing on other slates. You know, they're playing on the Monday night game or the Sunday night game. Like we don't have any of those guys that we usually pay for because of an injury. So, you know, I'm looking down at the low prices. I'm like, wait, why is Chase Edmonds at 4.6 K? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And yeah, I see that James Conner is kind of right in that same price range. So again, it's DraftKings kind of throwing their hands up being like, we don't really know who the starting running back is. And I think this is an advantage to take advantage of that ambiguity because 
we already talked about the Cardinals game. Like this is going to be a high scoring affair. And what we know is Chase Edmonds has been heavily involved in the passing game. So whether the Cardinals are chasing points or they're leading, it seems like he's going to be involved throughout. Now, it's no guarantee that he sees goal line carries. Like that definitely could be James Conner. That, that was kind of the concern going into this whole year with Chase Edmonds. But what we do know is Chase Edmonds scores big touchdowns. Like that's been his thing. You know, part of the reason why he hasn't had any goal line carries is because all of his touchdowns are scored from 20 yards out because he's explosive and he makes big plays. And that's what you're looking for when you're playing a guy in a tournament. So I think it's really easy, especially because you can stack him with Kyler because he is involved in the passing game. You're not necessarily relying on, oh, he's got to score a bunch of rushing touchdowns. It's never really been his thing. That's probably not how he's going to hit his ceiling anyway. It's going to be through the passing game. He could catch a touchdown. They use him a lot in the red zone as a receiver last season. So I think the play is absolutely great. So I think that we're spot on here going with Chase Edmonds. And I think in just overall tournament roster construction, like the easiest way for people to make lineups this week is to get your Rondale Moores, Elijah Moore, Terrence Marshall, Marquez Calloway, Marvin Jones. We just have one stud receiver after another priced under 4K. People are going to jam multiple of those guys in and then spend up to get, you know, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Kamara, whoever, maybe Kyle Pitts are being there. Like that's going to be the main roster construction. Cheap at wide receiver, go pay up at running back and likely tight end. So just by going, I think cheaper at running back, you're already going against the grain. It's just naturally going to open you up to making more contrarian lineups with this. So there's Chase Edmonds at 4,600. Javante Williams is at 4K. He might be the Broncos starting running back right away. At worst, it looks like he's in a two-back committee with Melvin Gordon. We also got Trey Sermon there at 4,500. Just none of these guys seem to be getting the same sort of like rostership expectations as most of the cheap wide receivers. So love the thought of going, you know, chasing Javante and then go get your Devonte Adams, your Calvin Ridley's, your AJ Browns, the stud wide receivers that again, I think are just going a little bit under roster compared to what we're seeing uh, at the high end of the running back position. Now for cash though, Andrew, it goes a little bit different. This is where, again, we're not so worried about the roster ship percentages. And because of that, at least for me, I don't feel the need necessarily to go up all the way to McCaffrey and to Kamara and cook. Um, if I can help it, because I just think we have two egregiously mispriced backs in the low 6,000 range, Najee Harris at 6,300 and Joe Mixon at 6,200, just in terms of my ranks this week. I mean, this is my RB six and my RB seven. I have Mixon one spot ahead, but I could easily see that flipping. Like they are priced as the RB 14 and the RB 15. Like that alone is just such a massive discrepancy that I'm, you know, tempted just to lock these dudes into the lineup to start gun to my head, you know, they're both set up so damn well. Cause I think they'll each have these three down roles. I'm almost tempted to flip my rankings and put Najee ahead. We've seen Buffalo really just not show much of an inclination to load the box and stop the run. I think last year it was them, the Rams and one other smart defense were like the clear cut bottom three in terms of rush attempts faced with at least eight guys in the box. It's 2021. The bills are smart. They're happy to let teams run the ball. Pittsburgh seemingly wants to do that more than ever this year. And that should benefit Najee. But again, people, just the price with those. And if you look at the, you know, their projections versus their, you know, salary implied projection uh, based on that cost, I mean, they are just set up to smash. So again, just kind of going off uh, that Darnold uh, start I had, you can go Darnold, Terrence Marshall, maybe we'll get our Rondale Moore in there, another cheap wide receiver and these running backs. Then you can come away, man, with Kelsey, Ridley, and Devontae Adams in the same cash lineup. So I know it's tempting to get up there, Andrew, but man, I love me that uh, low 6K volume. And I know at least one of your other guys uh, is actually even cheaper than these dudes, and he actually might have a similar role. 
Yeah. So I'm, I like Antonio Gibson a lot in that tier. So he's at 5,900. And basically what I did was I looked at season long ADP and some of my week one rankings. And you should kind of get a feel for, you know, who, who's kind of mispriced here, who like who's misvalued versus like what I think and kind of what the market thinks. That's why I look, looked at ADP season long, because like that matters, like we're drafting these guys and the guy that stood out the most was Antonio Gibson, like as a, you know, fringe, sometimes first round pick, second round pick, you know, he's under six K and that doesn't make any sense based on where we've been drafting him. So either everyone's been wrong about Antonio Gibson and he's not really worth a second round or high end second round pick in, in seasonal leagues, or the pricing is really off. And I side on the latter because I think that Antonio Gibson is really talented and look in cash. I think it's important to also mention that we want to make sure we have running backs that not, you know, obviously we want to have good matchups, but it's really more about, okay, are they involved no matter what? Like the last thing you want is to pay for a running back, you know, above six K in cash. And then they get game scripted out. Like that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. So that's why like, you're not going to hear us talk about like Nick Chubb or Derek Henry, or Jonathan Taylor, because those guys just are not bulletproof when it comes to game script. Like they can obviously have massive games if things go their way, but it's too risky in the cash format. So it was Gibson. Yes. He comes out the field on third downs for JD McKissick, but that doesn't mean he's like never involved in the passing game. Like he's so heavily involved in the passing game on first and second down. It's what we saw during the preseason and just his usage overall in the preseason, I thought was still really encouraging. Again, in 24 preseason snaps, he saw 14 opportunities. You know, you look at that over based on his snap share last year, it's around 33 snaps per game, that his expected workload in 2021 would be 19 and a half opportunities or around 17 to 18 touches per game. You know, at 5.9K for a really, really talented player is that that's what I want to pay. So I just think he's just really underpriced. And look, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out in the regular season. Could he come off on third downs? Probably, but what if he doesn't? Like, what if this Washington Chargers game kind of shoots out, which we could potentially see? So I like Antonio Gibson a lot. I think he's just a really talented player. I mean, the matchup, I think, is fine. I don't think the Chargers are anything special on their defensive line when it comes to run defense. So, again, they have a decent pass rush. But, yeah, I just really like Antonio Gibson, especially with the price. It seems like this could be the last time all year, maybe for his entire career, that he has a salary starting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, man, when you – like it's similar to quarterback where like, I'm just not really interested in the tier above these guys. Like you got to go all the way up to 8.6 K to Alvin Kamara. I think after Najee, maybe James Robinson, like I'm not saying these other guys can't hit, but you know, Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, you mentioned their potential problems catching the ball. DraftKings is full point per reception. People, if you want to go get some more exposure to these guys, go do it on Fandle, go do it on Yahoo, where we're only getting a half point per reception, you know, Swift, Eckler, Aaron Jones, Clyde, Miles Sanders. There's just more holes in these guys arguments. than I think there are for Najee Mixon and Gibson. And it's awesome that they are as cheap as they are now in this Washington chargers game. Andrew, I have my favorite play of the week. And, you know, I don't uh, I don't like to reveal any uh, helicopters or anything like that until Saturday night. But I'll tell you what, man, this guy is the overwhelming favorite right now. That is none other. And starting off a wide receiver, GPP, Keenan freaking Allen. Where is the love for Keenan, man? I feel like it's been the whole redraft process. He's been getting slighted. And, okay, his uh, price tag, you know, he's the 10th highest uh, ranked receiver by DraftKings this week. So it's not egregious. I just don't see any hype for him going to this matchup and if you just look at these receivers and say hey who's the most likely to just lead the whole damn week in targets it could easily be keenan 
11 non-injury shortened games with Justin Herbert. I've read this stat in this podcast. I'll do it again, people. It's my freaking podcast. 19, 19, 13, 12, 11, 11, 11, 11, 10, 10, and 7. If Keenan Allen gets double-digit targets, I have a hard time seeing him failing to meet this price point. So, look, I think people are going to go up to Julio Jones. to Tyler, Excuse me. Uh, they're going to go down just a bit to Julio Jones in that potential shootout. Tyler Lockett's getting a little bit of love, which I get. Those guys are in good spots, too. Terry McLaurin's down there. Maybe go up to AJB, Metcalf, and Diggs. But again, just on these roster set projections I've been seeing around, man, it looks like Keenan is the forgotten guy in that kind of middle high price range. So, you know, Washington, very good last year. But with that said, I think their zone-heavy defense could be the sort of matchup where we see Herbert just need to pepper Keenan again and again and again in that lower intermediate dot role. You know, Mike Williams, we got some other guys there. But hey, man, if there's a banged up Austin Eckler, that's even better news for Keenan Allen in terms of the potential targets he could get. So, you know, when I'm trying to come up with these just tournament contrarian, you know, long, not necessarily long shot, but just like blow up plays, what are we chasing? Opportunity. Keenan Allen has a chance to have more of it than just about anyone else. And he also just so happens to be a freaking great football player. So when we can get both those things combined, I am willing to fade the idea that a tough matchup is going to hold him back. And again, it's not going to be easy. Third best D in fantasy points per game allowed the wide receivers last season. They managed to add William Jackson as well. I see the potential pitfall, but again, it's Keenan Allen. That's the matchup is why he's so cheap. I am basically betting that the targets and the talent from the player in question will be enough to overcome that. Are you with me on Keenan, Andrew? Like, come on, he's going to ball out this week. Yeah, again, and you mentioned it with Eckler, potentially if he's limited or sidelined this weekend, Keenan Allen saw a 30% target share with uh, Austin Eckler out last year. So the target's going to flow towards Keenan Allen. And if you really want to play Keenan Allen the most, if you go over to Yahoo, he is actually cheaper than Jalen Rager. Oh my. I, I do not know how they set up the price for Keenan Allen on Yahoo's $18. Again, it's a little bit different than the thousand dollar structure of DraftKings, but yeah, he's, he's like free. And if you really want to play, if you don't, if you can't find this, the thousands to play, but for DraftKings, you can go to Yahoo and play Keenan Allen. Got it. Love some of those Yahoo price points. <laughs> Andrew, who is your favorite tournament receiver you're trying to come away with in your contrarian lineups this week? All right. So I know you mentioned the structure and kind of you know going with the chase Edmonds helps you your lineup just naturally be different and what i kind of found doing that as well was the receivers in the kind of like the middle tier so in between five that like five thousand to five thousand nine hundred like most lineups are not going to have those guys in them because you're either going to pay all the way down for a lot of the sub 4k guys or in the 4k range you're going to pay up for everyone that's a little bit more expensive Whereas there are a couple of 5k players I kind of think are interesting. And the one that kind of sticks out to me is LaVisca Chanel. So we have this Houston Texan secondary that has nobody there. There's literally nobody in this. They just traded away Bradley Roby. Like he wasn't even going to play in this game because he's suspended for week one, but he's not even going to play in this game at all. So they don't, they don't have anyone that can cover. They have Hargraves who has basically been a guy that we just, we tout and target for DFS purposes. Like, oh, who's playing Hargraves this week? It's like, oh, you start that guy in DFS because that's what always happens. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean Chenault's going to line up against him. It's really, it's, it could be any of these Jaguars receivers that goes off in this game. And I like the play on Chenault because Marvin Jones is going to be the most heavily rostered player. He's at 3.6K. And that's what the projections are predicting that he's going to gain her the most roster ship. And that makes sense. He's the cheapest. He's flashed a little bit with Trevor Lawrence, but I just look at, you know, the whole piece of the pie over the preseason. It was Chenault that was the go-to target. It's been Chenault that's been healthy the entire time during the preseason. 
and during training camp with Trevor Lawrence. So if I'm going to make a bet on one of these Jaguar receivers blowing up, I want to bet on the guy that's been there the entire time with Trevor Lawrence and the guy that I think is just the most talented of those receivers. And I think it's interesting because, you know, people are drawn towards Jones and Chark because, oh, like they're the downplay guy, like they're the big vertical threat. But okay, so you have Jones taking downfield threat, like downfield targets. You have Shark taking downfield targets. And then you just added Tyron Johnson, who with the Chargers, that's all he did was see downfield targets, where I know that Chenault is locked and loaded to that short to intermediate role. Like he's a yak monster. The Texans might be like, you know, I don't want to tackle this guy. I just, I just don't feel like it. So I, I really think that's going to be Chenault. It's going to be the one that emerges. And I think he's going to be vastly under rostered because of the other options you get at receiver. So I think that he makes your lineup unique. I mean, he's in a really good matchup. So I like Levis Kishnall as a GPP play. He's a great pivot off of Marvin Jones. And that's just what we're trying to do a lot of times here in GPPs, people. You want to take a chance on a guy in a similar offense that the public is off because if things don't go the way we're expecting, look at all the levers that you have now created for your lineup. So a couple other examples, as Andrew brought up, LaVisca Chenault over Marvin Jones, uh, T Higgins sitting there at 4,700. Looks like he'll be going heavily rostered. I think, you know, fading the drop narrative and going Jamar Chase can make a lot of sense in week one. Even Tyler Boyd in the low 5K range looks absolutely fine against a still very much unproven Viking secondary. Marquez Callaway at 3,600. Like I'm, I'm fine with Callaway this year, but let's also realize he hasn't played with Traquan Smith left yet. There is a chance that Traquan is number one there. I would bet on it to be Callaway, but again, for a tournament when the roster ship percentage is going to be potentially 20 percentage points different between these guys, uh, I'm fine taking a shot on Traquan. Uh, AJ Green potentially over Rondale, as disgusting as that is to say. Again, you're just helping yourself out in a matchup that, hey, maybe even uh, you know dusty old AJ Green can get uh, ahead on, and then. I mean, Corey Davis over Elijah Moore, I think, which I didn't really expect to be that big of a, you know, potential leverage opportunity, but just seeing Elijah Moore's, you know, 3k price tag, like I want all the Elijah Moore in redraft. I think it's a matter of, you know, when, not if he completely blows up but with that said, like if Crowder is back this in this week one, which, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll have our injury uh, episode going Saturday morning. So you guys can check that out and we'll, you know, update thoughts on this, but if Crowder's back, it could feasibly be Keelan Cole, Jamison Crowder, and Corey Davis as they work and Elijah Moore to start. Would that make sense? Not really. Either way, Corey Davis has fewer question marks than Elijah Moore. He's also going severely uh, under roster comparatively. So, Andrew, we've kind of already talked about a lot of these cash guys, I think. You know, again, Rondale Moore at 3K. I think Callaway, Marvin Jones. If you want to just go down and basically eat the chalk on these guys, I don't hate it because then you're able to, again, pay up at other positions. I would say out of this group, Rondale Moore and Terrence Marshall are the guys I prefer over Callaway and Marvin Jones and Elijah Moore. I just think Rondale is going to get five to eight scheme touches. That's more than a lot of guys can already say. And with Marshall, again, it's just more about that Darnold stack. So Elijah, Callaway, Marvin, there's just a chance, I think, that they're going to be you know, the potential number three options at best in their own uh offense so we'll see how that shakes out what other wide receivers were you wanting to focus on potentially for cash games andrew i think that calvin ridley is pretty locked and loaded to just go nuclear in, the, in this matchup so i think you can really kind of play him in either type of format because i just think he's going to terrorize his eagle secondary pff's 25th ranked secondary philadelphia owns and look man we saw what calvin really did without julio jones last year 11 targets per game and Matt Ryan just peppers him with all the high value touches. Like it's all downfield targets. It's end zone targets. Like this is where Matt Ryan's going to put the football. 
And even if Kyle Pitts has a role, which I, I think he will in this offense, it's like we saw Calvin really be really productive when Julio Jones was playing on the field as well. So I just think that their connection is so locked and loaded. The matchup is so good and it's in the dome. Like, I, I think that we can't overstate that enough that that matters. Like, like having the pristine conditions inside indoors really makes things a lot better. And it's also kind of credit to your point about the Seahawks game. Like that's inside too. Like that. So that's why, you know, potential reason to back that Seahawks stack. So for me, it, it's Calvin Ridley. And then the other guy is, is AJ Brown. I, I just, I think maybe more in tournaments because, you know, there is always that Derrick Henry takes over and they just the Titans don't throw the ball at all. And that's kind of like leaves you kind of in the dust, but you know, something I found out about AJ Brown, just a stat I really wanted to share. So, you know, I usually don't like dive super deep into, you know, how defenses are, you know, operate as coverages just because things a lot of change, especially year over year. But just something I kind of picked up on was the Arizona Cardinals secondary in their defensive scheme is like a lot of cover one and cover zero. Like they ran the most cover one last year. And they ran a lot of cover zero in the preseason, which I thought was kind of weird, but there was an article that came out on pff.com and talked about how preseason usage is actually really predictive of scheme in the regular season. So I was like, okay, that's like really interesting. So I looked at, so cover one and cover zero, basically for the non-film grinders out there, it's basically you're putting your corners on islands way more often. Like you're not usually having safety help. Cover one has one safety, cover zero has no safety help. So basically you're putting guys on islands. And we talked about some of these secondary issues that the Cardinals are having, and they have a ton of, unproven players back there, Robert Alfer, they have another a rookie fourth round pick who's starting on the outside to try to guard AJ Brown and, and Julio Jones. I just don't think that's going to work. So last year, AJ Brown against cover one and cover zero posted a 93.3 PFF receiving grade, which ranked third amongst all wide receivers. His target rate was 31% and he averaged 3.3 yards per route run. So he, he was just a freaking monster against, you know, essentially man coverage, which really just should not surprise anyone. But you know, Ryan Tannehill looks for AJ Brown on those islands. Like, all right, throw it to my dude. And we saw Ryan Tannehill. I should have mentioned this when we talked about Tannehill, but Ryan Tannehill's touchdown rate went from 5.4% against every other coverage to 9.1% against cover zero and cover one coverage last year. So I think for me, it's like AJ Brown is just set to smash. I wrote a prop bet of taking his over. I, I just think it's going to be a monster game for him. And I, and I just think it's interesting to point out because I think a lot of people are going to do the double stack, AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Julio Jones was not good against cover one, cover zero last year. He finished 72nd in PFF receiving grade. So again, if you really are torn between the two guys, Julio Jones is a little bit cheaper. So you may want to, you know, people may lean towards, oh, I want to, you know, save some money. I would not do that. I, I would try to pay up to go for Brown if you're not playing both guys. AJ Brown has only six career games with more than eight targets in those games. 151 yards, touchdowns. 114 yards, touchdown, 112 yards, touchdown, 101 yards, touchdown, 83 yards, touchdown, 82 yards, touchdown. Just madness. Throw this man the ball, please, for the love of God. I just want one season with AJB getting 150 plus targets before I bite the dust eventually. And Calvin Ridley, he has another just ridiculous streak of balling out when his team just gives him ample amount of targets. 19 career games with eight plus targets for Calvin Ridley. He has never had under 50 yards in those games. He's never had fewer than five catches. He has scored a touchdown or gained 90 plus yards in 18 of those 19 games. His quote unquote, worst performance with at least eight targets was eight catches for 52 scoreless yards. Like it, it, the floor is the freaking moon for Calvin Ridley. As long as that dude is getting targeted, that is going to wrap up most of our wide receiver talk before we continue though, folks, I just wanted to say that 
fantasy football draft season is here and we are offering 30% off any PFF subscription to all first time subscribers or promo code kickoff 30. You might be done with the redraft, but we are not done providing fantasy football content all season long. We will have updated week one rankings and projections each and every week. We have DFS tools, ownership, lineup builder. I mean, we just have everything you need to be a profitable redraft DFS dynasty, whatever it might be player throughout the season. So again, that's promo code kickoff 30 for 30% off any PFF subscription, gain access to all of PFS fantasy tools for seven dollars again people like seven bucks that's just to me such an easy buy like that amount of things like i'm gonna probably lose i mean it's on friday so i will probably have lost like close to a hundred dollars just betting on bullshit from the thursday night game this is seven dollars and it could actually help you not bet on bullshit not make bad moves and again seven dollars code kickoff 30 for 30 percent off any pff subscription make sure you go ahead and get that also want to give a shout out to our sponsors of Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. Just launched a new performance package 4.0. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. And finally, wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to Fantrax. PFF is gearing up to play our leagues on Fantrax. This season, if you're coming up, uh, from another site that has no problem fan tracks and import any of your current leagues completely free so create a free account now using promo code pff at fantracks.com slash pff and get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league plus six grand that's madness six grand people in a trip for you and your entire league i mean you could probably just work in the punishment on the trip and add another fun thing to do maybe you know don't give the loser six grand he doesn't deserve that he just lost your fantasy league but you can use that six grand to help make the loser of your fantasy league's life that much eat that much worse which hey isn't that what we're all trying to do in this silly game anyway that's promo code pff at fantrax.com slash pff and we've been talking about them all show but how about a shout out to DraftKings? fire up your tailgates the nfl is back Get in on the action before opening night kicks off of DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving all customers the opportunity to participate in this year's no-brainer offer. Um, yeah, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFFBET. New customers bet $1 on any football game to receive $200 in free bets instantly with your promo code PFFBET. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Free bet promotion for new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Max wages limit supply. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Ooh, first time I got that one done. The single breath, Andrew. Great day to be great. <laughs> now we got some tight ends to talk about. First of all, Andrew, tournament tight end. Who you got? Uh, it's Kyle Pitts and cash Kyle Pitts and tournaments. It's it's Kyle Pitts or, or bust for me because you look at the way he's priced down here at 4,400. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to look back on this on, in this week in this main slate and be like, he was never cheaper than he was at 4,400 and I didn't play him. So the don't do not go into this week with any regrets because he will literally never be cheaper ever in the entire history of, of DFS than he is in this week. So for me, again, I haven't been one that's been drafting a lot of Kyle Pitts in redraft leagues just because I've liked the values of Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson, you know, getting them rounds later, but that's not the case. You know, those guys are Andrews is not on the slate and Hawkinson is priced higher than Kyle Pitts. So for me, who offers you no know, top upside, who could be the highest scoring tight end on the slate? You no, know, Kyle Pitts could outscore Travis Kelsey. It's possible. And there's a $4,000 difference. There's no other tight end in the stratosphere of Kyle Pitts in his range that can exceedingly see the type of 
production he could produce. So I think that it makes so much sense, even in a cash perspective, because look, if you're tight in bombs in cash, okay, so does everyone else's. Like that, that, that's, that's what you're playing. There's not, there's not many other options that you can go to at the tight end position. Like I have a couple other guys listed here, but I don't feel great about any of them. Like, uh, like kind of gross. Like I don't like any of these guys. So I, I think you got to chase the upside with pits and cash and in the GPPs. I think that it works. The matchup is there. Again, I do not think that this Eagles secondary is going to be able to stop Kyle Pitts. They have a 29th ranked linebacker unit. So none of these linebackers are going to be able to play one-on-one. I know Brian Drake, you know, the co-host of the PFF Series XM fantasy football show, you know, is a big Eagles guy. And he continually told me for two straight weeks, he's told me, Andrew, there's literally no one on the Eagles that can cover Kyle Pitts. Like he's, he's been very specific about telling me that. And I kind of looked at it. It's like, yep, their linebackers are not good. They're for, very poorly graded. And I looked at the last year and you just kind of get a feel for, you know, how the Eagles were against tight ends against tight ends in the end zone. They gave up nearly a perfect passer rating, 154.7. So that's what we saw Arthur Smith do with Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith had a really, really high end zone target rate with the Titans last year. So I would assume that he would use Kyle Pitts in a similar way, you know, as a red zone weapon. So, you know, two touchdown upside five or six catches, 80 yards. Like that's all in the range of outcomes, especially in a really plus matchup. So for me, I really just want to kind of lock it on Kyle Pitts and I'll kind of let other people make mistakes with their tight ends. Again, I think obviously picking up for Travis Kelsey makes a lot of sense. Like you can definitely do that lock in that security, but if you want to really bolster the rest of your lineup, I think Kyle Pitts is kind of a, a key to do that for you. Hit that lock button and cash hundred percent. Like, like you said, everyone's going to roster him. If he busts, so did their tight end. It just helps you get up uh, elsewhere in the lineup without no problem. Like he is just so egregiously underpriced here that I, I don't know how you can get off the guy in cash games tournament. It's okay to be on him too. I wouldn't quite hit the lock button the same way. I'm not saying you were implying a hundred percent tournament ownership or anything. Uh, it is a situation though, where we can potentially get off him and benefit from him potentially busting, but it's kind of like Najee Harris. Like when we see someone that could legit be like, two grand underpriced on this. Like that's enough of a value to say, kind of screw the ownership at some point, you know, we don't need to overthink each and every single roster spot we're putting out here. And again, just being able to get a 4,400 tight end that is basically a wide receiver and is going to be Matt Ryan's number two pass game option, you know, at worst, it, it's just, you know, a hell of an opportunity. So yeah, you know, Kyle Pitts having that four, just like a, you know, we don't think Gibson's going to have that five much longer. Uh, certainly think it applies there. So good points all around if you can get up to travis kelsey which i you know going very cheap at wide receiver and some of these running backs we've talked about it's possible man in tournaments i do think it makes a lot of sense like we're just not really going to see kelsey probably have you know this low of ownership potentially for a while i mean right now with our pff uh rostership projections we got kyle pitts at 22.3 percent literally the third highest owned player on the slate behind only kamara and callaway kelsey isn't you know going under the radar either He's at 15%. It's just people like the one common, consistent high end factor we have had in fantasy for basically the past four or five years has been Travis Kelsey dominating all tight ends in his past. So he has, I believe it's 11 straight games with at least seven catches. Like it's just absolutely ridiculous. We saw what happened when the Browns best cornerback tried to touch this guy. Like if you're saying no one on the Eagles can guard Kyle Pitts, we know for a fact that no one on the Browns can guard Travis Kelsey in that same manner. So I, I get it. Not a crazy take to say paying up for Travis Kelsey uh, is good, but this is one of the few weeks I think where he isn't getting the majority of attention. And I think in uh, GPPs, it might make a lot of sense to go up there and get him. And I would just say, if you want to go cheap, 
I think Gerald Everett is about as low as I will go. He is sitting there at 3,400. You know, it's unfortunately, it was like that preseason week one took all of our favorite late round tight ends <laughs> away from us, Andrews. So we had to pivot. You know, we got off the Troutmans and the Ferksers of the world early. Hey, I'd rather get off them in the first week of August and the first week of September. So kudos, kudos to us for being wrong and then changing our minds, you know, really just hurting myself, patting myself on the back here for some bad takes in the off season, but is what it is. Gerald Everett, 3,400, you know, again, I explained the rust stack earlier. I just think there's a lot of upside for this Seattle passing game. And there is some question marks, you know, how much will Everett be rotating it? Will Disley and some of the other backup tight ends on the Seahawks? If he's not though, we're going to look at that 3,400 and say hot damn. I wish I would have been more over that in week one. Uh, final note I wanted to make, I think Robert Tunyon in GPP makes a little bit of sense at 4,200. He's going to have, you know, very, very minimal uh, roster ship just because Kyle Pitts only costs 200 more. And, you know, making that Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Robert Tunyon stack, I have her worst ideas in a tournament setting. But in general, you know, I think it's Kelsey, Pitts, and Everett are going to be the three tight ends in the majority of my lineups. Did you have uh, any other guys you want to touch on a tight end? Andrew. Yeah. So the, another tight end that I liked as a tournament to kind of get off of again, the, the pits ownership or roster ship would be Austin Hooper. Again, we talked about how high that total is the 54 and a half game between the chiefs and the Browns. Look, the chiefs one weakness, you know, they're really strong at the perimeter at the cornerback position. They're not good against tight ends. They weren't good against tight ends last year. And they're still not good against like, I do not think they're going to be good against tight ends this year. You know, Austin Hooper, if you remember, he was like a really chalky play when the Browns last played the Chiefs in the divisional playoff game. But it was actually David Njoku that ended up kind of like getting the most of the targets. And you have and Hooper obviously did not end up changing it around. But last year, the Chiefs against the tight end position, 31st in yards per attempt, 30th in touchdown rate, 32nd in PFF coverage grade. So again, and that's specifically to tight ends lined up in line. And that's where Austin Hooper lines up. So he's an inline tight end. He's going to be running down the seams and if the Browns are going to score touchdowns in this game, is it, it could be Beckham, it could be Landry, but it would not surprise me all to see Hooper fall in the end zone twice because we've seen Baker Mayfield lean on the tight end position in the red zone. Hooper was one of the highest targeted players for Baker Mayfield during the beginning of the season and the end of last season when he was finally healthy. So I think Austin Hooper is a decent GPP play. And then, I mean, I'm willing to go down deeper than Gerald Everett. I'm willing to just totally punt tight end because I think that it's important to know that your lineup doesn't have to be perfect. Even to win a tournament, you, you look at tournament winning lineups and you'll find that there is usually like one player that kind of like doesn't really hit or hit their ceiling. So if you just kind of want to like kind of go in already knowing who that player is, I mean, Tyler Conklin's a 2,900 for the Minnesota Vikings. I knew you were going to Tyler Conklin. I knew it. <laughs> Tyler Conklin, 2,900. Yes. Okay. It was a better play before they traded for Chris Herndon. We do not know what Chris Herndon's role is going to be. We don't know how acclimated he is to the offense, but I, I really don't think it matters too much. And it's not ideal that he's there. Like it would have been nice if he wasn't there, but I, I think that the Vikings still run a lot of 12 personnel. It's still going to be Thielen and Jefferson, and then it's going to be Herndon and Conklin. And we know Conklin has some chemistry already with Kirk cousins. We saw Conklin, you know, have a decent stretch of games. He averaged four tar or five targets per game during the last four weeks of last season during the last four games when Kyle Rudolph was out. So We've seen this guy before. It's not like an Adam Troutman thing last year where we just kind of threw him in. We had no idea what was going to happen. Like we've seen Tyler Conklin produce in the past. So I think that in itself is kind of gives you some semblance of hope that, okay, like if he gives me four catches for, you know, 30 yards, okay. That's seven points. Like that's fine at 2.9 K. Like that's more than passable. And it's probably going to be just as good as most of the other tight ends that you're not paying up for at the position. So I don't mind Conklin there, especially because it's a good matchup too. The Bengals are not a good defense. You expect that 
Kirk Cousins should at least be fit, efficient passing the ball. Again, he's not projected to throw a ton, but Conker could fall in the end zone. He's going to get, you know, a couple targets here or there. So again, between a pretty concentrated passing tree, I mean, it's Thielen, it's Jefferson, it's Cook, and then it could be Conklin. So I don't hate him as an option, especially because he's, he's really super cheap. So it's, it's fair. It might take Chris Hearn in a week or two to, you know, pass Justin Jefferson on the, uh, you know, passing <laughs> and uh, all that going on. Yeah. Conklin, I guess I'm just a little, I just think it's going to continue being a two tight end offense, but Hey, if there's going to be a week where Herndon will be eased into it, it could be this one. But I mean, you know, when they got, when uh, Rudolph left, what did Zimmer say? Conklin's going to take those reps. Irv's going to be there. And, you know, maybe I missed the Zimmer quote where he said Conklin's going to be the guy. I'm just now thinking that Conklin, maybe he's the one a, but I still think there's going to be a fairly involved one B, but Hey, in an offense without, you know, a true number three receiver, good matchup. Fine, Andrew. You win this round. Tyler Conklin is the cheapest you can go at tight end. I still won't have a ton of exposure to him, but you yeah. Could. I mean, it's 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 the total punt move again. Like you he's, know, he's punt, are, punt tight end. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm surprised there's not a cheaper one. Honestly, we have these really men salary guys at every other position. Tight I think uh, the only other guy that couldn't stood out was was actually Dan Arnold. I think he's he's lower than um, Conklin, but again, it's Sam Darnold thing, and it's. Again, he could catch a touchdown. Like, that's kind of what you're betting on, but I'll just go with Conklin. Arnold basically just played receiver for the Cardinals last year. I know he was getting some run in the preseason, and we got the training camp Darnold Arnold uh, tweet <laughs> on for sure. I just think him and Ian Thomas are probably going to be splitting snaps. When you got two tight ends in your offense, you usually have zero ones in fantasy land. All right, we're going to leave you guys with our favorite kind of just overall stack uh, for tournaments. But first, want to list off some general notes, just maybe some things we did talk about or didn't, and whatever. I got them written down here. Want to get them off my chest. First of all, just say, you know, if you haven't played uh, a bunch of DFS before, don't feel like you need to have that remaining salary at $0 when you're done. And if you're in tournaments, it can actually be a great move to leave three or $400 because that's one of the really smart ways and just easy ways for you to differentiate your lineup with someone else. And that especially is true for, you know, the showdown slates when you're playing on Sunday night and Monday night football, when, Hey, you know, there's two teams, you're going to have a lot of duplicate lineups and your goal. And a lot of times in this is to simply make a unique lineup. So not going up and spending every last bit of your salary uh, available can be an easy way to, again, just make a more contrarian lineup. Uh, mentioned this before, but really, if you want to go in the tournaments, I think it'll be great to fade all those low price wide receivers and get the Chase Evans, Javante uh, Williams, Trey Sermon, and then pay up at receiver. You know, we're still getting plenty of upside. I think the running backs are arguably just as underpriced as some of the wide receivers are, but the roster ship percentages makes me lean towards going with the lower priced running backs in tournaments. Uh, again, though, if you want to go get some of the wide receiver value, particularly in chalk, I get it. Just name some of those guys, Marvin Jones at 3,600. Jalen Waddle at 3,600 is almost a pretty solid pivot because he's not getting the same sort of attention as Marvin Marquez Callaway, 3,400. He's going to be chalky, but hey, I, I get why he's Jameis's probable number one receiver, uh, you know, not maybe the complete smash spot uh, of the world that we're looking at, but at the same time, you know, Jair Alexander doesn't shadow. So I think uh, he could see a good amount against the Packers, uh, other underwhelming cornerbacks. Then we got Rondale and Elijah Moore at three K also Terrence Marshall. Uh, clearly they're, you know, getting hyped up for good reasons. And Devonte Smith at 4,500 is awfully appealing, particularly if you end up getting Jalen hurts uh, at QB and paying up there. Any other general notes you had, Andrew, before we get to our stacks? Nope. I think it's just, yeah, you know, be fluid with the the builds. And I kind of echo a lot of things that you had mentioned. I think that Jalen Waddle, again, 
and we didn't really talk about him specifically, but I think, yeah, he's in a good spot to be a good pivot off of uh, some of these cheaper receivers are getting more hype again. Look, two is going to be under pressure against the Patriots. Like the Patriots have a much better defense than they had last year. And Jalen Waddle had a really, really low a dot during the preseason. So I expect a lot of checkdowns to towards Jalen Waddle, bubble screens, slants, and Jalen Waddle's wicked explosive. Like he's a very explosive wide receiver. He can turn one of those short plays into a big gain uh, against the Patriots. So I think I like Jalen Waddle a lot as probably a primary target for one of those pay down options. And again, Keenan Allen, all the Keenan Allen this week. That's all I'll say. Andrew, let's get to our stacks. I will go first, and I stole it from my Thursday guest, John Daigle. It's Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and one of Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders. I think, you know, people are going to want Josh Allen to some extent, but when you look at these quarterbacks and some of the high-priced options, like you mentioned this with Ryan Tannehill, now you got to pay up for Julio. you got to pay up for A.J. Brown as well. With Russ, as much as I like him, it's awfully expensive to pair him with Metcalf and Lockett. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. You know, Kyler Murray, uh, you got a little bit of leniency with Rondale Moore, and so do you with Josh Allen. The difference with Josh is that his number two receiver, whether you want to make that Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders, I think is going to be going a lot more under the radar than these other guys. And even Stefan Diggs, man, like to see him priced as the wide receiver six on this slate is a little bit surprising in and of itself. I mean, Pittsburgh had absolutely zero answers for him last year. We can be looking at a lesser version of that defense, depending on how the TJ Watt situation ultimately plays out. And, you know, looking at at just this game in general, you can run it back with Najee on the other side, awfully easy. I think Najee is going to be one of the more, uh, you know, independent of game script backs uh, we have in the league in terms of, you know, blowout for or against the Steelers. I think Najee will still be able to put up numbers or you can even go with, you know, Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool. Tredavious White does not shadow. I think either of those receivers have a solid chance at putting up some numbers in it of themselves. So Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, we'll go Cole Beasley and Najee Harris. Uh, that will certainly be a large chunk of my stacks. That I am looking to in tournaments, whole lot of upside. And again, I think just being able to get Josh Allen's freaking number two receiver for under 45 K who is going to be faded because people aren't happy that he's not vaccinated uh, makes a lot of sense. Cole Beasley had five games with over hundred yards last year, just because he's a small white slot receiver. Doesn't mean he doesn't have upside. Like anyone with Josh Allen as their quarterback has upside. The same goes for Emmanuel Sanders. So again, Allen Diggs, Beasley or Sandal Sanders and run it back with Najee on the other side. I love it. Andrew hit me with some more goodness. All right. So I'm going back to my Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love going with my guy, Jalen hurts. I'm going to play a lot of this weekend in DFS. So I'm going to go with Jalen hurts stacking with Devonte Smith. I think that, I mean, there's no reason why I think that Devonte Smith won't lead this team in targets. And why would it not be week one? I just don't see any reason why I would, shy away to a Rager or Quez Watkins has got some buzz, you know, the tight ends. Yes. They'll be involved, but I mean, Devontae Smith looks like the guy. So I'm going to just buy into that start a rookie wide receiver. Don't really care. You know, he's cheap and he's good. So I have no reason to think that he won't be productive in the best matchup you could ask for, for a rookie wide receiver. And then I'm going to actually add in Miles Sanders. I think that this is an underrated matchup for him as well. The Falcons do not have a good defensive line. PFF's 31st ranked defensive line, and he's super explosive. He averaged 6.3 yards per carry with Miles Sant with uh, with Jalen Hurts under center last year. Kind of that, you know, the mobile quarterback freezes the linebackers corollary. So I like that there. Again, I don't know what the pass catching upside is going to be because I know that he's had some problems with drops. Scott and Kenneth Gamewell gotten involved, but I think he can just be a mega producer on the ground in this game. Maybe potentially score a couple of touchdowns. You know, we saw a strong correlation between those two players at the end of last year. So I don't think that they necessarily are going against each other. 
And then I'll bring it back with Calvin Ridley, who I talked about, and Kyle Pitts. Again, it's the perfect way to kind of get Kyle Pitts in the lineup again. I'm not going with an Eagles tight end. I'm going to still chase the upside with one of these tight ends because you don't need to overstack um, Jalen Hurts because he's rushing. So I don't necessarily need to pair him with a bunch of Eagles pass catchers. One is fine enough. Miles Sanders obviously just kind of benefits from the Eagles offense as a whole playing well. So I'll do that. And then I'll also add in, we didn't talk about defenses, but Falcons defense, $2,000, super, super cheap. Yes, I like Jalen Hurts, and I also know that he can make a lot of turnovers. His 4.6 turnover worthy player rate from last season ranks first among all starting quarterbacks that are playing on the main slate. So if you can't pay up to pay the Denver Broncos defense, which I think is the best play against Daniel Jones, like I think you should play Denver wherever you can, but cheap, cheap, cheap Atlanta Falcons. So if Jalen Hurts goes off, he'll get sacked a couple of times, maybe throw a pick or two, throws a pick six. That's that, that means you're playing Yahtzee. That's when that's exactly what you want to happen. Pick six, more opportunities for Jalen Hurts to score fantasy points. So yeah, I think you can even stack the Atlanta defense with Jalen Hurts because I think that you just want a high scoring environment with a lot of pass attempts. So I think that can kind of make it get done. Yeah, Falcons and even the Bengals a little bit are going to be chalky, but defense is so random, people. That is the position we should be completely punting at the problem, at, at you know, just punting without any sort of, uh, you know, fear about it, particularly in cash games. Great call on that. Yeah, Broncos at 3,300. I think I agree with you. That is the best play. And honestly, in tournaments, paying up at defense might be a little bit better if you can swing it just because again, it's silly how much defense can make a difference in it. I like it not to be in my fantasy leagues when possible. It is. So we need to pay attention to it. And again, like, these are just the Atlanta, Cincinnati, even the Houston defense is all the way down there at the bottom of the 2K range. It's uh, going to be a lot of chalkiness down there. Andrew, I was mixing up my words a little bit there because we unfortunately have another massive injury uh, to break down right now. The Ravens fear, and this happened nine minutes ago. Oh my gosh, the Ravens fear that Gus Edwards suffered a season-ending torn ACL during today's practice. They have now lost Gus, J.K. Dobbins, and Justice Hill in a matter of weeks. And apparently in the same practice, Marcus Peters might have suffered a torn ACL. So Baltimore, I'm sorry, that freaking sucks. I wish your team wasn't a walking graveyard at this point. Remaining running backs on the squad, Tyson Williams is now your projected RB1. We were hearing Le'Veon Bell was going to come up uh, and potentially play on Monday already. None of these guys are in our DFS main slate, so everything we said about that still holds, just more of a redraft principle at this point. So we're looking at Tyson Williams, Le'Veon Bell, and Trenton Cannon. Andrew, I think you were with me in terms of I don't think we were particularly screaming at people. Hey, go pick up Le'Veon Bell. My thought process was, hey, Bell's on the team. When they sign Cannon to come on and play special teams, like, okay, we don't even know if Gus is or if uh, Bell is going to make the roster now. But with Gus out of the picture, it's 2021, and I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be a thing again. Yeah, it's it's weird that the way this worked out. It really sucks, just in general, because I was really excited about Gus Edwards just to kind of see what he would do in this offense. Again, it just it's really, it's, it's just terrible because we saw really two really talented running backs go down and we didn't even get to play in the regular season at all. You know, two hyper efficient running backs. And this kind of really changes like the dynamic of the Ravens. Like this is a point where I don't know if they can run the ball as much as they've had done in the past. Like, I just don't know. Again, you, you think that, okay, you should play. I mean, Gus Edwards was, you know, I think a really good replacement for JK Dobbins, but now you lost him as well. And look, I mean, Tyson Williams was pretty good in the preseason and they clearly liked the kid. But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say he's going to be, maybe he could be James Robinson. I don't know. But it's it's really a lot to put on a guy. And you, you look at the way that the Ravens spent the offseason, they invested a first-round pick in a receiver. You know, they brought in wide receivers. 
So I think we might need to change the narrative a little bit around with this Ravens offense and be like, look, I think that Lamar Jackson's probably going to throw the ball more. And I think you need to be open to that. Cause even like Le'Veon Bell, like they're not going to use him as like a grinder back. Like that's going to break him down even worse. Like this isn't the same offensive, like he, his style of running is so specific to that offensive line. He had in Pittsburgh that was saw him get success. Whereas everywhere else he's gone, it's not been like that. Like he needs very specific blocking up front. I'm just not sure he's going to get that with the Baltimore Ravens. So I mean, but he's good as a pass catch. Like we know that. So they need to kind of change their identity a little bit. And I think we're going to see these receivers, you know, get involved more. So I would be looking to buy more of this passing attack. So Mark Andrews, like get over the fact that he's a tight end and that he maybe he's going to see a lot of targets in his offense. Like he's going to be heavily featured. Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins. Look, man, the week one thing, it's just more and more likely it's going to happen now because they're going to have to throw the ball more. So I think they're going to lean more on Lamar Jackson here. And I think Tyson Williams should be on every fantasy roster. I'm still going to favor him over Le'Veon Bell because I have not seen Le'Veon Bell be good at football since 2018. I'm sorry. Just haven't seen it. So again, I think they like Tyson Williams again. It could Bell could take over, but both of them should be owned to go across the board and just expect this Ravens passing attack to uh, throw more in 2021. I had Gus before this awful injury as my RB 17 going into week one. And that's just for week one, not for the season or anything like that. With Tyson and with these running backs in general, I think people are too quick to just assume that the backup's going to step into the immediate role. We're probably going to get a potentially even-ish Tyson Le'Veon Cannon potentially in their committee, and they're probably going to have to add another running back at some point. So Tyson is the play this week. I he's like a what upside RB three. Maybe you start him over like Sony Michelle, the Buccaneers guys. But like, I'm not starting over Josh Jacobs, over Trey Sermon, over Javante, none of those guys. So I would say tentatively Tyson Williams somewhere in the low thirties, I think makes sense as a ranking. He should be prioritized over Le'Veon Bell. Don't start Le'Veon until we have a better idea of his role. Trenton Cannon's just going to be annoying if even involved on the offense uh, to begin with. So is that kind of where you stand, Andrew? Like I, I think bumping up Tyson, just assuming he's going to replace Gus, like that's, that's not cool. No, I think you, now I think at this point, I felt comfortable like kind of putting Gus Edwards in a similar tier to where JK Dobbins was because we saw how efficient Gus Edwards was. And even you know, we even kind of docked him around or two from JK Dobbins, was like a third round pick. Gus Edwards was like a fifth round pick. But now it's like we can't do the same thing again with an even more unproven commodity in Tyson Williams. And again, like Lavian Bell hasn't been proven. Look, they could still add to this backfield. They're still free agents. Of, I mean, they could add in another guy. They could add Adrian Peterson. Like, he's available. And, I mean, honestly, if Adrian Peterson signed with them today or tomorrow, that's who I would want on my fantasy team. Because I, I think that he'd probably be the best running back on that team. Because he at least showed last year he can still play. So, again, I don't think we're done with this backfield necessarily. I mean, they just need more running backs if they want to be run heavy. And if they don't add any more running backs, I think it's a telltale sign that, no, they're probably going to throw more next year or this season. So man, yeah, this is, this just sucks in general. So yeah, I mean, at least the, at least the matchup is good against the Raiders week one. So again, if you're in a pinch and you really have no choice, yeah, I think you can roll out Tyson Williams. If you're really stuck, especially if you had Edwards, like locked and loaded, you don't have any other guys you can start. And I would start Tyson Williams. But besides that, like, don't like elevate him to a top 24 running back right off the bat. It's obviously a bump, but similar to Henderson, similar to Edwards. Yeah. I'm assuming they're now going to add another guy and we need to keep that in mind with the bump. So week one, yeah, it's looking pretty fresh for the guy. If you're going to, you know, in a real pinch, I'm with you there. Go for it. And beyond though, tough. So somber note to end the uh, podcast on Andrew hate all these injuries. And uh, you know, I wish we had like a 24 hour waiting 
time in fantasy land before we just immediately start talking about their replacements, yeah. but that is the industry uh, we are paid to provide analysis for. So it is what it is. Still plenty of great work everyone can check out for non-injured guys over at pff.com. Andrew, let the folks know what you've been able to carve out this week. Yeah, tons of great content over on pff.com. Again, unfortunately, my star, I'm sitting featured Gus Edwards. So I'm going to have to, don't don't take that advice. Please don't start Gus Edwards. Uh, I got started, sit him up. We got the DFS cheat sheets are coming over. That's coming out to or on Friday. You're going to have all of the kind of some of the players I talked about on the podcast, but some more other plays that I like here as well. Some approaches and make sure you check out Jared and I, we're going to be doing a DFS breakdown podcast going game by game. Um, four o'clocks Eastern time on Fridays. And then obviously Ian, Ian and I will talk about injury updates going into the weekend as well. So make sure you check it out and good luck in week one, like get excited. We still have football. I know it was a somber note to, but we got a lot of healthy guys we can still cheer for. So get excited for those players. That is right about our injury report. We'll have more information on Gus and plenty of other folks there. Might just release that one Friday night or Saturday morning. It'll be up uh, sometime around there. And then make sure you come check out a PFF account. We'll be sending out on Sunday morning. We'll be doing a start sit hour at 11 a.m. where we are just trying to get through as many start sit questions as possible. Help get your guys' lineups right before Sunday. You can check out my work on PFF.com. I have my week one quarterback superlatives. Uh, I took stock of every single backfield. I broke down every single wide receiver, uh, cornerback matchup, tight end analysis in the passing game, then have my favorite 48 stats in my mismatch manifesto. So if you have a fantasy player, I've written about them. Check out one of those four articles for my full thoughts. He's Andrew. I'm Ian. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Appreciate you all taking time to listen as always. Until next time, take care.